Visit the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6 at the next Jazz game. Their free pop shot games, cornhole, foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city and mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, and socializing with friends. The Ford Fan Zone. All right, it's time to talk basketball now with our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. He's on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get a Samsung S10 for $0 when you activate a new line of service with a flex lease now through December 26th. Visit the Sprint store nearest to you. Steve, good morning. Good morning. Steve, there's a question here that is bugging literally every Jazz fan. And if you give us the answer, you pass go, you get 200 bucks, and you advance to the lightning round, you win a new car. Fix the Utah Jazz bench. Can you help? What's wrong? Every time, not every time. Every time is not fair because they played well in Minnesota. But many of the nights, I'd say 80% of the time that the bench comes into the game, bad things happen. Bad things. Other teams go on runs. Can you fix it? Can you? I think Quinn's toyed with different combinations of guys at different times, and it doesn't seem like anything can be sustained positively. You know, I think the first, I think the first thing you do as a coach is you look at the possibility of you know switching lineups, and uh, you know maybe you know for a long time O'Neal uh, you know came off the bench. Now he's been starting. Uh, Ingles has. Uh, not shot the ball as as well as I, I know that he would have liked. Conley, who is starting, has not shot it well. And you know, you start looking at the last ten games, and it's it's, it's one of those things where there's just been, like you said, there's been inconsistency. They'll play well for stretches, and then defensively and offensively, they have some slippage. Uh, you know, they, they've got a situation right now where the next the next six games are playing. I mean, they're playing a, a schedule. Other than the Heat and the Clippers, and, and both of those games were on the road and could be difficult places to play, but they got a chance to win four or five games here in the next couple of weeks. And so, if there was ever going to be a time where you're playing some of the lower tier teams, do you take you know you take an opportunity maybe against uh, the Hawks or the Hornets, uh, Magic, and maybe tweak the lineup a little bit? But you know what? I don't. I don't think any trades are being made real soon. So it's those guys that are playing. They're all pros. They know when they're playing well and when they're not playing well. And uh, it's just a matter of you know get, you just putting the time in, watching film, and and uh, I think the coaching staff just remaining positive. Uh, like I said, they're pros. They're, they aren't, these aren't seventeen and eighteen year old young men. But but Green needs to to play better. Engels needs to play better. Uh, certainly, Connolly, you see signs of him maybe breaking out, but he probably has been the uh, the biggest surprise is just how long it's taken him to make this transition. And I mean, he's a great, he's a really good player. He's a great human being. He's a team guy, but he, but he needs to play better. Yeah, that's the bottom line, and there's no question about that. I'm wondering, as I watch with Ingles in the starting lineup, in my mind, he's better off there because he can make players look better, but it's harder to make the role players look better. I think it's easier, obviously, to make the stars look better, and in turn, it's making him look better, so his value... And I'm not an expert by any stretch, but I'm just looking at the games here. Is that I think its value is decreased with reserves because he doesn't make them look as good, nor is he as good. So with that in mind, if he comes in the starting lineup as a permanent, then somebody else had to has to go. And you're looking at it and thinking, all right, what can give me the best firepower coming off the bench? And I'm wondering if they should. 
should consider Conley because then he could dominate the ball in that group. But do you think that gets sticky when you're dealing with a, you know, a veteran of his stature and being used to being in a starting lineup and now you might ask him to come off the bench? How, how would that work? You know what? I, I'm not so sure that he would. He, he'll probably, knowing him, he would embrace whatever he was you know, asked to do because he's a team guy and, and they're paying him a lot of money. And I mean, he's just his character. He's a high-character player and man. But you're right. I think the thing about Ingles is that he he's a complimentary player, and some of the parts of that group with him in it, he knows exactly what his role is. I agree with you that he distributes the ball better, and in that group too, he gets wide open looks. Whereas in, in you get that second unit group, and sometimes they're playing against different lineups, and and there's more defensive pressure. Um, I mean, if you switch Ingles and O'Neal. You know, I, I, and, and I know they would never do this, but if if you had Ingles in the starting lineup and kept O'Neal there, which kind of looks like last year's team, and, uh, you know, what if Bogdanovich came off the bench and carried that team and uh, plays the same minutes, plays the same minutes, um, and is going to play 80% of his minutes with the starting group, but all of a sudden they have instant offense there. And that, and that may seem a little bit crazy, but... I, I just don't think – I think Ingles is better starting, and I think <clears throat> O'Neal is not going to have an issue <clears throat> not starting. He's shooting 46% from the field, 44% from the three. But O'Neal is he, – he's not the guy there that they're looking to get the ball to. You know, he, he's a complimentary player. He's, he's got decent numbers in terms of his percentage, but he has a different role there. So I don't really think it really matters whether O'Neal starts. I think the fact is that – they played 26 games, and Ingles is has not as been as good as he's been the last two or three years. So why not, why not start him and, and make that adjustment? But if, if things get really crazy, and you know, I mean, let's not panic here. They're 15 and 11. They're in you know the sixth seed. I think Dallas without Doncic maybe end up being the sixth seed two weeks from now, and uh, Utah bumps up. I mean. Where did we really think Utah was going to be? And we knew Denver was coming back. We knew Houston was coming back with a better team, maybe not showing it and demonstrating it every night on the floor, the Clippers and the Lakers. We always kind of thought Utah would be that fifth seed. So rather than maybe panicking, it's like they're kind of right where everybody thought they would be. Maybe not where everybody hoped they would be, but that's probably about where they belong in terms of talent and experience and all the things that go with it. So I don't, I don't think it's a major issue. I mean, I think by the end of the year, they're going to be probably fourth or fifth place. Uh, you know, they, their schedule softens a little bit in this next road trip. But I wouldn't make dramatic changes. I mean, I know bringing up McDonough sounds like a dramatic change. But you could do something like that for a, an experiment. You know, you go on the road and play maybe a lesser team or at home, especially when maybe you're not playing a top four or five team in the conference and just see what it looks like again. But I, I, I wouldn't panic here. I, I think the schedule is going to soften up. If, if all of a sudden there's a seventh or eighth seed a month from now, then, then yeah, I think you do have to maybe make some changes. Well, uh, I don't want to get too bogged down in the goals, but I think the goal um, inside the organization and with the fans weren't crazy. I mean, there's a certain amount of fan base like, number one, win the title! But I think that if they'd gotten to the three seed, then they'd have a decent chance to win in the second round and get to a conference final. And they haven't been anywhere that, near that, the that's conference doable. final. 
that's doable. Okay, so you know? and especially with Houston being somewhat dysfunctional, but Dallas has been kind of the surprise team. And, and Denver seems to be finding themselves again. So those are the teams that they're going to be competing against for that third seed. So I'm curious, and you started to go this way with Bogdanovich, and I wondered, as a coach, if you did this, you know, you want your team to have a personality and a way of playing, and, and I know what Quinn, I know what the Jazz look like offensively when they're playing the way Quinn wants them to move, the movement off the ball, and the way the ball moves, there's a whole rhythm to it. But the bench doesn't seem to be anywhere near mastering that, no matter which one or two starters you put out there with them. What about going with a group of five guys as a starter and a different group and letting the bench group play differently? And if that means one-on-one play for Moutier, one-on-one for Mitchell if he's out there, or Bogdanovich if he's out there, signing off on it and not doing all the stuff the starting unit does because they just don't know that the bench has the skill set. Is it too dangerous to have that, those different personalities, or could that work? Well, here's the thing. I, I think what you do, especially when you go to the bench and, and you go to guys that maybe don't have that, that skill set to create their own shots, that you do, or, or maybe like you said, where they're more comfortable running ISOs and doing those. I think, I think all coaches will, will do that during the course of a game, is that they'll run different action or they'll run different quick hitters. They'll do things to the strengths of those teams rather than running the primary offense that just flows and moving without the ball. Because when you go to the bench, you, you, don't, you don't have that star power. You don't, I mean, you'll usually have one of the stars out there, but I, I don't think that's a, an unreasonable idea at all. I think coaches do that anyway when they have to go to their bench. They're looking for two or three feet, maybe two guys out there on the bench they're trying to get shots for. And that may not look like what the starting group does, but it could, it could be more ISO-oriented. It could be more ball screen oriented, and it could be shoot the ball quicker. Okay, let's take the first available really good shot with this group rather than waiting too late in the shot clock where pressure and percentages go down. Talk to you a little bit about the college. up, but the percentages go down. I got you. Yeah, talk to you about the college. I thought that Utah State and BYU was a phenomenal game. I actually came, I went to the game, I came away encouraged from uh, the game, but for both teams, because I look at Utah State and they're incorporating Kedem back in. You know, he had the injury. He's playing uh, only his second game back. So it's going to take, obviously, a few games for him to to get uh, everything going. And then the Cougars won the game. And so obviously they got to feel good about it. Uh, as you look at both of these teams, I'm expecting both of them to be contenders in their conferences and contend for an NCAA bid. How about you? I, I completely agree. Uh, you know, I've watched Utah State in person the last couple of years because, and especially last year, I watched their team. And, of course, I watched the game the other night on television. Um, I do like Utah State's team. And when Kenneth gets healthy, they're, they're a different team. He can protect the rim and he can score. Um, and they're they're really solid. I, I didn't I didn't know exactly what the injury was uh, to the guard there for Utah State. I know he missed a game or what the circumstances were, but I, I love the flow of the game offensively for both of these teams. And for both of these teams, they not only they only not only move the ball well through ball screen action and everything, but they're moving without the ball at the same time. And they they have just great synergy as both of these teams they just play together they all seem so connected and it doesn't matter what they run and there's a very high q 
you know, the, the IQ of the basketball being played for both those teams, they make the decisions, they don't take a lot of bad shots, and they make you beat, you know, you, you, you got to beat them because they're not going to beat themselves. And, uh, and then they're just really solid defensively. And I think for BYU, you know, the, the addition of Barcello and Toulson, uh, Nixon playing better, TJ kind of playing within himself, and obviously Yoli is what he is, but it, and I'm coming back now, and it will have an influence and impact in every game. But this is the this is the most efficient and effective BYU team I've seen in three or four years. I mean, they they really are together, and uh, they seem to have a great energy. They're defending, but you know, and you do defend the ball better when you're scoring. I mean, there's energy. You, know, you go three, four, five possessions without scoring, it impacts the other end. But I do like both of these teams, and I do believe that both of these teams will be in the NC2A tournament. I think, you know, in the WCC, we, we know that Gonzaga is always going to be the team to beat. St. Mary's is really solid. And USF and Santa Clara are good teams, but this is a three-horse race. I believe that BYU can play well enough to beat both St. Mary's and Gonzaga at home. Now, that's not an easy thing to do. It doesn't happen very often. But I think if any group was going to do that in one year, beat Gonzaga and St. Mary's in the same year, this is probably the year that it would happen. Just because of all the experience, senior leadership, and really having each position really really being solid in their top six or seven. I got so sick of watching BYU lose 85, 81, 86-78 games that I just thought they had no business losing. And they just didn't seem to for years with different guys, they didn't seem to be invested in defending. This group does. Most of their games now are played below 70. When they give up more than 70 points, they're still basically a 500 team. But they're holding most teams yep. under 70, which is why they got so many wins. Is it just the personality of these guys buying it in? Is it the urgency a new coach brings and all the guys are hold over? Like, I got to impress this guy? Is it the fact they're seniors and they want to go to the tourney and they know if they don't defend, they're not going to the NCAA tourney? Why are they defending so much better? I think it's a combination probably of a lot of those things. I think, I think first of all, the additions of Marcello and Toulson. I, I was just around them a little bit. I, I was there before few months ago before the season started and I just watched them. They were just having an open gym and I, I, I just popped in there to see what was going on and those five on five Saturday games just playing amongst themselves, no coaches around. There, there was a toughness and a competitiveness there that those two brought. I mean I, I, there weren't any fights or anything but it was like this, they were competitive. They were competitors and, and I, I think there's a certain toughness that those two bring to this team that that's kind of been missing, uh, and I and I like I like the fact that uh, that they everybody just shares the ball, and and it's it doesn't get sticky anywhere. But there, I think you go back to number one for me is is just the mindset and the toughness of this group, and they are better defensively. They do have good size in our guard play. You know, they're six four, six five, so they have a little bit of length. I think Dalton Nixon. Uh, has really come in and played it with a really high degree of confidence. He's another kid that's really tough and has fit in. And I think you ha- you do have a new coach and there's new energy. And I think I like what they're doing offensively. They're obviously sharing the ball, but there's a lot of ball screen action, but a lot of action away from the ball. They just the ball never stops, and it, it just uh, has made them. They bought into that, and then having Yoli come back gives you a different dimension now too in terms of being able to score inside and, and to rebound the ball. So I see both these teams 
going to the NC2A tournament. I, I, I just I think they'll both finish in the top two in their leagues. Uh, San Diego State is playing really well. You're all going to get a chance to see San Diego State uh, uh, in, in the Mountain West Conference play against Utah State. Uh, but I, I and they beat BYU. Didn't they beat BYU at home at BYU? I believe Correct. San yes. State did. So yes. But you're, you're looking at San Diego State and Utah State is probably the top two teams. Uh, the Mountain West has improved this year. They are, they are they are better at the top half, whereas the WCC, I think, is, is about what they've been. I think you can expect San Francisco, Santa Clara. I mean, Pacific has a really glossy record, considering they lost everybody, so we'll have that still to be seen. But this WCC is really still top-heavy. It's those top three teams. Yeah, after I got home, I uh, watched the second half of Gonzaga and Arizona down in Tucson. I remember Dave Rose years ago, we had him on. He said the thing about Gonzaga is they not only have the number one best big man in the league, they got the second best big man, and most time they have the third best big man. And then I look at these guys, they're just running them out there one after another, and they're beating Arizona. Arizona's such a young team, starting three freshmen, and uh, so you know they have an opportunity to get better. But still, you're going into Tucson, and you're winning that ball game, and they've beat three Pac-12 teams away from Gonzaga. It looks like, here we go again with these guys. Yeah, they are. And having Tilly, it looks like maybe Tilly is finally healthy. And there's a lot of new names and new faces, and I've seen just glimpses of them on TV a little bit, so I'm not as familiar yet with them team. But once WCC plays, I'll, I'll become more familiar. But it, you're right, it's the same old story. I mean, they, they've done amazing things with transfers year in and year out that have impacted that program. But get, if Tilly is healthy and can play, he really stretches the defense, and he can rebound the ball, and he's played in big games. And... Uh, so him coming back and him getting healthy uh, makes him probably a pretty solid lock. But those are that's going to be a great game. I think the Gonzaga game at BYU, uh, I, I look at that as being a really, really good game. And I, I think if they shoot the ball well, obviously, which they usually do on their own, it, it could be a really uh, uh, a competitive game and a game that BYU could win. You know, St. Mary's, you know, the last time they played Gonzaga, <laughs> they kind of owned them. So... They'll have two more chances this year. We'll see what happens. So I like that race. And both, both leagues are going to be really competitive. And they're still a little bit top-heavy. Steve, we appreciate a few minutes, as always. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome, guys. Have a, have a great day. Steve Cleveland, he's our basketball insider right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, all the stuff we've covered in this show is coming up next. Stay with us. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Week 15 coming to a close in the NFL. Teams locking up playoff berths. The Bills are in after beating the Steelers in the Sunday night game, 17-10. Seahawks clinch a playoff berth. So did the Packers. Packers in after the Rams lost to the Cowboys, 44-21, combined with Green Bay's win over Chicago. Monday Night Football, the Indianapolis Colts and the Orleans Saints. The Saints trying to get to 11-3, which would leave them tied for the top spot in the entire NFC with the Packers and the Seahawks and the Niners. Game kicks off at 6-15 tonight on ESPN. Listen to it on the Zone Sports Network. Utah Jazz are off tonight, back in action tomorrow at home against Orlando. Dallas Mavericks are hopeful that star Luka Doncic will be able to return within a couple of weeks from a moderate ankle sprain he suffered on Saturday. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Action Plumbing. Call Action Plumbing to get your preseason furnace tune-up and save to check for $33 by calling Action Plumbing at 801-833-3333 or going to actionplumbing.net. 
Big Show. Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Are you ready? You guys ready? Howard Beck, Bleacher Report. Over the next 20 games, the Jazz have the easiest schedule in the league. On top of that, they do not have any back-to-backs. This is an opportunity, if Quinn Snyder chooses to do so, to maybe get in a little bit more practice time with the new pieces that they've got and hopefully with Mike Conley rejoining them, smooth out those rough edges and find that chemistry that has kind of eluded them in the early parts of the season here. So yeah, I think I think it's a really critical stretch. And besides that, when you're supposed to be a top-tier team, you better be feasting on the bottom dwellers. Part of being a good team is consistently beating the bad team. Turn this up. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, DJ and PK, welcome in. It is time to catch all you who are just joining the show here in the 9 o'clock hour. Up to date on all the stuff that has been going on this morning, and it is brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. Spent a lot of time after our conversations with uh, Mark Harlan on Friday and then Kyle Whittingham and Morgan Scally on Saturday. It's not like on Thursday you couldn't have guessed that Morgan would be in the mix. But I think uh, after those conversations, get the feeling that uh, he is the big-time front-runner for the job whenever Kyle Winningham decides he's had enough and he wants to go golf. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get with these guys with the U and, and further solidify Morgan's candidacy. I'm going to work for it, so it's going to get done. Great. <laughs> what are you going to do, dare I ask? Yak, if this goes poorly, it's my fault because I just asked. <laughs> I'll just hover over the dump button. Okay, thanks, Yak. <laughs> we're going to have some hot chocolate. Oh, okay. We're going to sit down. We're oh, going to discuss okay. this. Yeah. You do the marshmallows on top or no go on the marshmallows? Huh? Just You like your hot chocolate straight. Well, I could go whipped <laughs> cream. Are you, are you whipped cream or you whipped cream? Nah, yeah. no, 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 that makes a mess. Uh, my in-laws are all about okay. the okay. Put cream. it on the top and it melts in? Yeah. I don't like it. I'm, I'm, a couple I'm marshmallows, either. fine. I don't. Well, you like the, the little ones the or little the big ones. puffy ones? The little ones, not the big puffy ones. Too messy. What's, what's with the messy stuff with you? Jeez. Messy? Didn't know that you were so, like, engrossed in hot chocolate. Well, I mean, I think you know. <laughs> oh, really? You didn't know that? <laughs> no. I don't know. cool. My old lady night. does not like hot chocolate. She'll never get it. Really? I don't know. It, what's wrong with her? I don't know. Huh. It's the craziest thing. Why doesn't she like it? I just don't. She's, she doesn't explain to you. I don't like it because. And she just doesn't want it. We go out and say, hey, let's, she'll, she'll come home, hey, I got you hot chocolate. And just be for me. Mm. So, I mean, she really takes care of me well. But of course I do for her, too. I so, believe half of that. So it's really, I mean, she is, let's put it this way, she's a happy woman. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the day. We'll just leave that alone. <laughs> She is. So she will. That's my point I'm I making. I text her occasionally. Willing, you and I know the truth, DJ. She's willing to, when she's out and about, like occasionally I'll give her a gift card, go pick herself up something nice. She'll come home and she'll have hot chocolate for me. That's so you, what I'm saying. So you don't want to talk about Morgan anymore. <laughs> you asked me what I was going to do. You said this because I'm up to me. So don't. This is where I went. I did say it was my fault. <laughs> so don't blame me. <laughs> So, you gave me the form. I did. So, it's your fault if you don't like it. Uh, hey, let's play for the people before we talk more hot chocolate. Play for the people. This is the, and you could see it evolving in the conversation. We're all like, wow, Morgan's really in good shape to get Kyle's job. But it really kind of locked down when, when PK asked Morgan point blank. 
Has there been any discussion as far as taking over when Kyle retires? I'm uh, not going to discuss that. I'm not going to discuss that. I should have said, well, why not, Mr. Fancy Pants Defensive I was, Coordinator? I thought it was a little too sensible to go. So that's a big old fat yes, right, Morgan? <laughs> <laughs> But I didn't think the moment was you would quite, have gotten a, the moment wasn't quite right for that. I wonder kind of if response. they told him, "Hey, you know, this is something we're working on, but let's keep this under wraps." I don't know that, or if he just I decided. Think I think the deference to Kyle. I'm the defensive coordinator, and I'm not talking about anything but that. Yes, I think that. I think I think he just knows it's not a good look for the coordinator, even if he's highly thought of by the AD and the head coach, and he probably is the next guy, which I think is as far as you can go right now to say is probably, highly likely, whatever. It's just not a good look for him to be the guy talking about it. And I think he knows that, and he didn't want to do it. No, and, he could have still told you said, the, yeah, I'd the only thing for it that to happen. truly surprised me, although I did want to say, that's a big old fat yes, right, Morgan? Uh, I think the only thing that really surprised me was he didn't say, you know, that's, that's the kind of question you need to ask an athletic director about. Yeah, I'm the defensive coordinator. And, and, but I think in your essence, you're right. That's what he was thinking. And Harlan and I are going to work through this, and we're going to come up with uh, <laughs> oh, okay. some, uh, you know, how to best handle this. Mark's sitting in his office now, big old eye roll. Yeah. Well, right. no. <laughs> I mean, Harlan and I have hit it off. We're practically boys. And <laughs> practically. I worked with Scott uh, Scally. And yes. I know how to work S- Whittingham. Steve. So you put that all together. So Steve Tate, longtime friend of Morgan's and uh, former teammate and all that, came on with us earlier this morning and said Morgan had to get into coaching because he was terrible at radio. That was a funny line. Yeah, but I mean, asking him to follow me? Brutal. <laughs> Good yeah. luck on the dude who succeeds me in this chair. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Station ought to just go dark for a while. So I ain't making $4 million a year, so it needs to be a long time from now. Okay. <laughs> I'd like to at least maintain half the lifestyle. At, at, four, at $4 million a year, you could push up the retirement date, couldn't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think Kyle has very many financial worries whatsoever, if, if he has any. And good for him. Whereas I, I mean, I don't have worries, but I certainly need work. Hey, <laughs> not in the lap of luxury. <laughs> No, I'm I'm fine for what I do and everything. I've got no complaints, but I couldn't retire today, next year, or what have you because, I mean, I need the money. There's a big difference. All right, so we talked quite a bit about that today. We just had Steve Cleveland on to talk about the Jazz and the bench. The Warrior game, which we have not really spoken about at length, uh, was ugly for big stretches. And then they played well for stretches. And thought that third quarter, they got them back in the game. I think Jazz fans were feeling pretty good. But again, PK, the start of the fourth quarter, a lot of bench guys out there, and the Warriors go on a 7-0 run, and they retake the lead, and you could just feel it in the arena. There's seven minutes to go, and people are thinking, are they going to mess up the Warrior game? Come on now. And it was really quiet. But Rudy checked back in, and the Jazz went on a run. And behind him, a couple more guys checked in in the next couple of minutes. And then that, that finishing group, it was like 26-15 to 15 to end the game. They just they were really good, and they just took control of that thing and, and locked it up, and they got the win. But it's the Warriors, and they got to play better than that going forward as they go back out on the road and play a few better teams. Not a lot of better teams. This schedule's pretty soft this month, but a few. We can hit this later for tomorrow, but I think Conley's going to come back, obviously, pretty soon. 
And if I were Conley, I would. This is a, this is where you can get your confidence, get your mojo. You're playing some teams that aren't as good. And I know that the management expects him to play better, and they're very confident that he will play better and make more shots. Uh, if he struggles some more, I think they're going to make a significant move. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be traded. Well, that's what I was leading up to right no. there. I was giving you a look like, where are we going with this? I'm not saying that. Don't right. they need to make a significant move whether he plays better or not? Well, I mean, the, be- fix well the, the better he plays, the less significant it needs to be. <sighs> yes, but only we to a point. We haven't seen Mike Conley play anything close to his capable of playing. We have not seen so Mike Conley play. So he could be a significant play. addition. We have not seen Mike Conley play like we saw him play even the second half of last season. And I know there are people out there, and you've talked a little bit about this, and it's definitely out there. There are people think he lost it over the summer, you know, with guards. It just goes away in a moment, and the moment has happened. Uh, but as recently as the end of last season, he's playing much better than this. And they anticipate some form of return to that, whether it's 100% remains to be seen. Nah, but they I think Jazz fans take 90% of it okay. right now and sign and off And I that. think they're confident that he will do that. So with that in mind, that makes this team substantially better because in a lot of games, he, not only they haven't given him, he hasn't given them much, he's been a detriment. Right. And while he's been out, they've only had five players they can count on. Now, if he comes back and plays at a pretty good level, then they got six players they can count on. So to your point... You wouldn't need as much help, but looking at the West and looking at what they want to accomplish, they still need help because six guys isn't enough. I think most coaches are going to want at least an eight-man rotation. And it's six. Now, on a given night, Moutier gives them a little something, or on a given night, well, Green's hitting shots yeah, but and see, gives them something. If Conley comes back and plays well, then... I don't need as much from Moutier and Green. Agreed. So now but you they become available to give you what they can give you more consistently and because I, they don't have to give you more than what they're capable of giving you more consistently. So his return to play at a level that he needs and they expect helps every single guy. It literally helps the third guy off the bench because now there's less on him. And you don't need as much. We so also, oh, that's what they're counting on one. And then two, they're working it to try to make a significant move. Uh, We also have um, been discussing the NFL a little bit. Uh, Now that we've all seen the video, I was willing to cut the Patriots some slack last week because I thought, well, if you notified the Browns are there and then you try to pull something, you're going to get busted because the whole league doesn't trust you. And the Browns know. And you should have told the Bengals, but you messed that up. But that happens. But the Browns know, and and you're not going to get away with anything. So... You'll get busted. Well, guess what? Now that we've seen the video, it looks like they were trying to get away with something, and the Browns knew, and they alerted the Bengals, and the Bengals busted them. It looks like the, it looks like the the Patriots were trying to cheat. Whether they did cheat, whether they got anything effective, you could argue that. But the sh- the video they showed us of the bench, what are you shooting that for? There's nothing about that that was entertaining for this advanced scout piece. And a piece on an advanced ca- scout is a nice cover story. It could have been interesting. Could have been good. But that shot there again to the bench, that, that wasn't helpful. I think they're trying to figure out who knew what, who authorized what, that type of thing. Right. And if it turns out it goes as high up, well, then there'll be significant penalties. Ham-handed by the Patriots. Tonight, it's the Colts and the Saints. Figure the Saints at home are going to get this done, right? Colts aren't that good. 
Bird Jones ain't walking through that door. That's it. Bird Jones. Nice pull. All right. Anything else you want to catch the people up on? You've not talked about Mad Bum to the Diamondbacks. Hot stove, baby. That's classic December baseball news. Yeah, the winter meetings ended last week, but it's still ongoing, obviously. Uh, He was the most important piece in their World Series, along with Bochy. That's the two guys that you go to. And Posey. Those are the three guys. Yeah. When Posey that, got hurt, they had bad years, then get that, healthy, and they win a title. That Those three guys were looking where they built three World Series titles upon that foundation of that trio, and now he's gone. So somewhat of a bittersweet day for the Giants, but the Giants have three world championships to show for their well, that's a good efforts. run, and it's yes. time to rebuild. Right. And I do think that you had a stat on the Giants. I think it applies to Eli Manning, too. Uh, Eli Manning, obviously, they won the game yesterday, the Giants, and they played the Dolphins, who were terrible. And Eli quarterbacked them to the win in a big locker room celebration. They put the graphic up on well, while he's in there getting the game ball and the whole locker room hooting and hollering. His career record is 117 wins, 117 losses as a starter for the Giants. Win the big games, that's where the legacy is. He will always be a two-time Super Bowl champion. And they took the Patriots down both times in tight games, and he made big plays at the end of them. And the Giants, three, three World Series titles in five years, and that group will always be known for that. And they'll be brought back for 10, 20-year reunions, and they'll trot them out there, and the whole park will scream and holler and remember the good old days. But what was their record for the decade, PK? Well, their average record, I don't know what the accumulative record was, or cumulative record, but the average record throughout this time, and the decade is obviously over for baseball, was 82-80. and 80. That's not very special. But you're but, taking home three World Series titles. So have seven bad or mediocre years worked into that. Give me the three give me the three parades. Give me the three trophies. Yeah. Spraying each other in the locker room with all the champagne and the soda and the lemonade and whatever else you can find out of the vending machine until I'll the party's remember over. remember that first year, because she had no idea you were going to get the next two, right? Right. And they hadn't had one in San Francisco. You had to go back to New York. And they had in that town square, they had a big screen, and they showed it, and there was a lady there who clearly was upper 70s, if not early 80s, and she was by herself. And she's standing there watching it, and she's got a grin. And you can tell, okay, she's enjoying it, but she's probably thinking of her deceased husband. Probably. And yeah. all these other things that go maybe, into maybe it. Maybe a parent or an aunt and yeah. uncle or something. Yeah, when your sibling. team yeah. finally wins it. And that's that's the beauty of sports is not so much the fact that uh, those guys are spraying champagne, but the connection that it gives you to you, to your father, to your mother, to your son, to whoever who it might be. And um, last night I'm flicking around, and I came on the baseball network, and they had a thing on the Cleveland Indians, and Hardgrove was the manager. And he was talking about he was at some signing thing when he was the manager of Cleveland. The guy came up to him and said, you know, when the Indians were good, I had this real strong bond to my, uh, to my father. And I'm hoping you guys can give me that bond through my son, through your success. And when they clinched and got to the World Series, they never won the World Series, but when they, got, they clinched and won the World Series, they asked Hardgrove, and he was reflecting back about what he thought. He said he thought of um, his family or some of his wife. And then he said his second thought was, I thought of that guy. And I thought to myself, I hope he's having that bonding experience with his son that he asked me to have. 
And that's the, the beauty and the depth that sports can bring. It can also savage relationships, unfortunately, and we won't go there, but it can really make a bond that people, and I think of that when I saw, I remember that lady, just the look on her face of, you could tell she was reflecting upon things in her life. And ironically, Cleveland is now the team that's gone the longest without winning the World Series. Now that the Red Sox and Cubs got the monkey off their back. How many of the Padres had? Zero. How many of the Dimebacks had? One. Uh-huh. Padres are tied for the third longest <laughs> drought. Third, so Cleveland's won? Yeah, 71 years for Cleveland since they Did won the Did you know I heard that this decade that we're now done with mm-hmm. is the first decade since Babe Ruth that the Yankees haven't won one? Well, it's about time. Good. Hence $5 trillion on Garrett Cole. <laughs> Got to end that. Yeah. Uh, do you know who's second? The second longest drought. That went in a World Series. Well, what do you factor in uh, Seattle? They what? count. They, have they count if a, team, if a team moves. They, they, in baseball, they go back and they go to the previous. Because like in, in football, when the Browns moved to Baltimore, history ended. So where do, okay, where do you But they didn't what, do that. The, the Seattle do do Pilots Milwaukee? They're tied with San Diego at 51 years. They're tied for third. But there's one team longer. All right, give me a minute. <laughs> Yuck, says we got to go to break. He did. Come he, back and answer on the other side. Yeah. All right, we'll do it on the other side. You think about it during the break. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Time for the feedback of the day. Everything you think about today's show, all the stuff you wanted to add in, brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. So, what do you think about <laughs> what do you think about Morgan Scally being the uh, the next coach? Uh, there are people who are down on it. Fire Kyle Whittingham. This guy is just relentless. Doesn't want anything to do with anyone with ties to Kyle. Hit the reset button and start over. Hey, PK, how's that working for Nebraska, being upset about nine-win seasons? I'm talking about hit the reset button and start over. You got a good thing going. You're not starting over. You're building upon from a strong foundation. What, you lost the title game? All right. I would love to have the Devils be in the position to lose the title game. Five other teams in the division wish they'd lost the title been game. Been there once yeah. in nine years. You've been there twice in nine years. Did you think you're just going to come over and just dominate? Yes. Like you were playing New Mexico? Yes. Well, you're an oh. idiot. Signing day is Wednesday. I know. And I had uh, too much free time at one point this weekend. I was clicking around on, you know, you can go to those websites where the top recruits by state. And you always talk about how there's no talent in New Mexico. Literally, on the New Mexico page, two three-star guys. Two. In their state. In their state. There was no third guy. There was no fourth guy. Now, in Utah, the list goes like through, you know, 30 guys plus and keeps well, going. Well, blame Brigham. He should have gone to Albuquerque or Santa Fe and said, this is the place. <laughs> like, Nevada is right there with Utah, you know, producing tons of kids. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody's in there recruiting it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But New Mexico? No. And Arizona, holy cow, your whole thing about ASU not keeping anybody home, we can get into this later on. But it's like the top 25 kids are going to like 22 different schools. Mm-hmm. Everybody, every school goes in and plucks out a kid, maybe two. 
Well, the Republic has a story this morning where they name, can these three kids be Heisman contenders and they're all quarterbacks at major universities? Mm-hmm. None of them were in the state. They all went elsewhere. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, we are out of time. Tony and Austin are next. We'll see you tomorrow.